Welcome to Gross Point Blank. I am Josh Gross, joining you on The Athletic, talking about mixed martial arts as we do. Uh, an interesting week in the life of myself, if I can just jump off from that point. Of course, a lot of you have probably seen uh, the interview that The Athletic had with uh, Diego Sanchez's trainer, Josh Fabia, who made a bit of the media rounds this week after the fights in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. He was the lone man in Diego Sanchez's corner. And has been a bit of the lone man with Diego Sanchez over the last year. Kind of a character, if I'm going to be... Well, how do I frame this? I think for a lot of people in in MMA, there was uh, curiosity. Some people had concern. There was a ton of criticism. Who is Josh Fabia? And I had a chance to speak to him for an hour this week. Of course, we published... Most of that interview uh, was edited for length and some clarity along the way, but basically a verbatim transcript of uh, what uh, what he and I chatted about. Uh, there's a lot in there, and I, you know I'm not going to go over everything. I, if you haven't had a chance to read it, or if you haven't had a chance to listen to him in other spaces, um, you're probably going to be curious about like what's the big deal. And I, look, I, I think uh, I think this uh, is instructive this this moment, right? Uh, the MMA community has been one that has circled the wagons for a long time. It's sort of this ingrained feeling of protecting your own. Of course, this sport over the last 20, 25 years has been subject to a lot of outside forces that really wanted to malign it and kill it in some respects. I mean, uh, the, the idea that this sport could have gone away is not a up-in-the-air kind of idea it's not a it's not sort of a puff and smokes concept i mean it was actual real life right the tangible reality of what mixed martial arts was for a long period of time was this thing was on the chopping block it like it had its death note its death certificate was signed people were happy to see it go but it didn't of course it survived and now it's big business and it's worth billions of dollars and one of the things i think a lot of us loved about mixed martial arts and I, you know, I certainly did, and I do as well today. Is that it, it felt like a place that was a real proving ground? You know, we we saw these concepts of what people thought worked in martial arts. In the very earliest days of the UFC, it was about determining what did and didn't work, and we realized pretty quickly. And I say we in a large community of martial arts concept, right? We realized quickly that. Many of the things that people have been taught for hundreds of years, thousands of years, have a limited practical application, okay? And again, I'm being kind because some of the stuff doesn't work at all when you're faced with an opponent, a foe, anyone, period, who is educated in ways that really, really are effective. And I think for the most part, we've understood that grappling and submission and you know this catch wrestling and the jujitsu you know, these are actually like tried and true methods that in time, regardless of what you called it in a certain period, whatever was, you know, popularized, um, it was trial under fire consistently, competition under fire consistently, an actual real world application consistently. And so we thought we know what makes sense, right? We thought we know that. It, it, hey, w- 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 there's enough evidence here. There's like a body of science here that's proven out by these athletes who have competed around the world, what gyms are doing constantly around the world. Okay, we think this works. We think this doesn't work. And we've kind of assigned values to these things. Someone like Josh Fabia comes along who 
Uh, it's completely outside any kind of box, right, that you would could even construct in your mind. And that runs counter to what a lot of people in the fight community feel like they know. And it strikes them odd that this man is instructing Diego Sanchez, who's an extremely experienced fighter, and we've seen him go through all sorts of different types of fights and have success uh, in the UFC. And, and previously to that, I mean, I saw Diego Sanchez fighting in King of the Cage uh, in the early 2000s and was covering him back then. And he was a terror. He was a catch wrestler, a terror, nonstop pace, beat you up, take you down, avoid submission, ground and pound. And to me, that has always been the most effective way to win a mixed martial arts fight. Wrestle, take down, ground and pound, avoid submission or apply submission. The most effective, the best way of winning a fight, the lowest risk, highest reward. That's always what I've felt like, and I think that's the evidence is sort of borne it out, right? And now we're seeing this last phase of Diego Sanchez's career. It's a career that's undergone a lot of different permutations, combinations, different sort of feel along the way, right? But we always thought we knew what Diego was. And a lot of it boiled down to this warrior status, right? He was willing to engage, and at one point he got away from his wrestling, grappling, and really just stood toe-to-toe and was happy to engage in wars. And, you know, admittedly, like, to his detriment as a human being. I I think if you're watching Diego Sanchez's career over the long term, you've recognized this is a man who's taken a lot of damage, okay? And he's been in wars that I think most of us mere mortals would be like, that seems terrible. That does not seem like something anybody normal would want to go through. Why would they do it? We understand and recognize that fighters are not necessarily normal, that they have their own processes that they go through, that they have their own sort of things that they're willing to put themselves through. A lot of them talk about being willing to die, right? I mean, it's sort of like that idea, that mentality. So over the last year, Diego has clearly been influenced by this new trainer in his life. He's left the confines of the people that sort of really reared him, that he grew up in as a mixed martial artist, as a competitor, Greg Jackson, Mike Winkle, John, a lot of these people, okay? And now he's with this guy, Fabia, that nobody in the fight community knows. Nobody knows who he is, okay? And he is doing things and saying things that make people feel like, well, that that doesn't add up. That seems strange. Uh, what the hell is this guy talking about? And when you have icons of the fight community, champions, great trainers like Pat Militich calling this man a snake oil salesman, that, you know, okay, you should take that seriously. I don't, I don't think people like Militich throw around those terms lightly. And it's easy to look at what Fabi is doing and sort of laugh it off, but then you get to the seriousness of it, right? And, and guys like Militich really make it serious and make it real. And so in the wake of Saturday night, when he was criticized by the ESPN broadcast, Trevor Whitman, Daniel Cormier, when he's criticized on social media by people like Militich and others and a lot of fans and a lot of people just saying, what, what is this? Fabian now is making himself available to interviews. I, I reached out to him on uh, Monday, spoke to him on Tuesday. And he ended up making the rounds and doing several interviews. I think on Wednesday he spoke to Errol Helwani and Luke Thomas. Um, in the hour that I spoke to him, it was – look, I've done a lot of interviews in this sport, and I've been around a lot of people, and 
There's never one formula for how you talk to somebody, okay? There's not. Sometimes you have to draw things out of them. Sometimes you really have to have an angle that you're approaching with. Sometimes it's a free-flowing kind of fun debate conversation. And sometimes people just want to unload. Sometimes people want to turn the faucet on and let it pour out. And for an interview, like an interviewer like myself, you know, you kind of just take a step back and, and, and let them go, but also recognize that there are certain things that you need to get out of this conversation. And I walked into the conversation wanting a few different answers. I didn't have a lot of questions in my head that I really wanted to pose to him. But I recognized really quickly that he was someone who was just going to talk and talk and talk and talk. And he felt that everything he was saying had great validity, was extremely intelligent and prescient and mattered. Okay. And so at no point in the conversation with him did I discount him, did I dismiss him, did I laugh at him, did I say, well, that doesn't make any sense, that I tried to diminish what he was telling me. I never really challenged him except with the challenges that other people brought to him. And I wanted to give him a response. I wanted to give him a chance to respond to those things. That was really my objective in talking to this person who I'd never spoken to before, who I hadn't really cared about, quite honestly. Sure, I'm, look, I'm plugged in. I'm on social media. I, I'm, I, it's my job to be aware of what's happening in the sport. I knew who Josh Fabia was through his connection to Diego Sanchez, but I never cared enough to really understand who he was as a person, as a trainer. I was like, this is Diego Sanchez's life. So far, it's turned out all right. Okay, what's the story? But when the community reacts in the way that it does, I think it's it's important to ask questions and give people who are being subjected to these questions a chance to respond. And so I was happy to have the opportunity to do that, and I was appreciative that Josh Fabio was willing to speak to me um, he made several points during the interview that no one had reached out to him previously. I don't know if that's true or not. That he, uh, that no one over the year that he's been with Sanchez has, no one has bothered to dig into who he is, where he's come from, what his martial arts background is, and so perhaps he felt like the chance to speak with me, and then later on with Luke and, and Ariel was the opportunity to really sort of air all of this out. And I, I think you saw that if you if you. If you read the Q&A, and I think it was important that we ran it as a Q&A, and I didn't try and write a story around it, um, you'll get a sense for his thought process and the way that he views the world. And he's asking you to learn more about him. He's right, right. He's saying, hey, go, go check out my Instagram and go look at these things that I've done. And how dare you challenge me? And, of course, he had real issues with Joe Rogan and real issues with the people on the commentary in ESPN. And he felt like everybody was being unfair to him. And in fact, the theme throughout the interview, and it's why the headline that we ran with, I think, was fair and appropriate. And the one that, that really sort of got to the heart of what he was expressing to me. Okay. The, the headline was Q&A with Diego Sanchez, cornerman Josh Fabia, colon, the MMA community will not bully me, right? The MMA community will not bully me. And that is fair for him to feel that way and say that and express the things that he's expressing, okay? I, 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 don't, I don't think the MMA community should bully anybody. This is a hardcore space 
with people who are very passionate. And social media has only amplified those passions. And quite honestly, I have followed this sport for a long time. And there are people who follow sport who, and I, look, I don't think that, I think fans of all stripes can get this way. But there is something about this community that's not on its own. There's other communities like this. We're seeing the political culture in our country right now and, and emotions get high and people really sort of staking out their claim and, and saying this is the way it is and if you don't agree with this, then you're this kind of person. I think sometimes in the MMA community, we can get like that. And so when this person who's an outsider, quite obviously, is expressing repeatedly that he won't be bullied by the space, pay attention to that and don't dismiss it offhand. You know, there, there's something to be heard here. Um, and over the course of this interview, I, I, I really got that sense from him. Now I got a lot of other senses as well. Okay. I got a lot of things from Josh Fabia and I'll be straight up like transcribing this on the day that I did the interview. It was one of the more difficult transcriptions I've ever done in my life. It ended at about 7,700 words. The length wasn't the issue, but it was the way that he answered these questions Sort of there was like stream of consciousness thing happening. But then like he would drop these little nuggets amongst all the chatter that made you feel like, oh, well, that's not that's not a crazy point. Like you maybe like you actually have something to say here. And I think it's one of the reasons why people have been so reactive to these interviews. And I know it's a, to my interview in particular. I mean, of the 7,700 words that I transcribed, I probably said 500 of them. And, uh, you know, for me, you don't need to ask long leading questions to get answers that are instructive. It's, it's really the who, what, where questions. I didn't ask him a why question. I don't think I did. Who, what, where? Those questions led to answers that I think really allowed people to understand that this person has his own view of the world. He's taking issue with how people are responding to that view of the world. And he doesn't like it when people push back on him. Josh Fabia doesn't seem to like that. Now, I pushed back on him several times in this interview. Uh, but, but I did it in a way that made him have to respond to what the community was saying to him. And, and, and I think his answers were telling. First and foremost, first and foremost, the Militich stuff, because, um, you know, when, when, when Pat says this man is a snake oil salesman, I didn't say, hey, Josh Fabia, Pat Militich thinks you're a snake oil salesman. It's, that's like the wrong way to approach it. But the one time that I did have a bit of a comment for him was when I was trying to get him to understand that there are people in the community who have their own experience, a lot of it's vast experience in this fight space. Their own experience is instructing them that what they're seeing from him doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. And his perception of their criticisms is that it's slanderous, that it's just just negativity to be negative negativity. And, and that's what he holds on to. And so I think Josh Fabi is guilty of not listening to the criticism. Now, his counterpoint is that, well, you don't know who I am. Well, I guess we're trying to get to know who you are, Josh. 
And I think we're trying to understand what it is that you're doing with Diego Sanchez. And here's where I think he made his best points. And I, I'm not spending this entire podcast on this interview. I'm going to wrap on this. I think he made his best points when he said, look, Diego Sanchez is not fighting the way that you expect him to. And that's a good thing. He's 38. He shouldn't be engaging in wars. He shouldn't be fighting a style that just gets him hit over and over and over again. That seems valid to me. That seems like the man has a has a point to make. And so I've seen a lot of people react to Fabio before and react to him in the aftermath of these interviews. And it's easy to be like, that dude is a whack job. That's easy, right? That's the easy response. Now, I'm, if that's your position, I, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong or you need to re-examine. All I would say is that beyond that, maybe taking a little bit else of what he's trying to say. Now, I, I'm not saying everything he's saying is valid. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think MMA is the dark side. I don't think MMA is full of sociopaths and narciss- narcissists. Life has that. Everywhere you look in life, there are people like that. I don't think this community that I've covered for 20 years, quite honestly, reflects that. There are a lot of really good people, a lot of giving and caring and empathetic people. And this is not this is not a typical world. It's just not. So Fabia's reaction to all of this, I think, is kind of counterintuitive to what his messaging is, right? And his his self-awareness and all these things. I think people make fair points. Well, he doesn't seem so self-aware. And so there's learning lessons here maybe for everybody. And I, and I think the bottom line on, on this, as, as I wrap, is that um, Diego Sanchez is a grown man. And Diego Sanchez is going to make choices over his career and what that looks like. And he needs to be held responsible in the end for anything that happens to him. If Josh Fabia is a con man and steals Diego's money, and is a cult leader and bad things happen in the life of Diego Sanchez because of the relationship that he formed with Josh Fabia, that is on nobody but Diego Sanchez. And if Diego Sanchez has a fruitful relationship with Josh Fabia and ends up walking away from mixed martial arts maybe healthier than he might have otherwise, and if he has a resurgence perhaps and wins a couple fights and makes a few more bucks than he would have, then I hope people also will feel like, you know, maybe this Fabia guy deserves a little bit of credit. We don't know the story yet and how it will end. We don't know that. It's so quick to judge and so quick to make statements and so quick to basically pigeonhole a person as a whack job. I, a friend of mine, I won't mention who he is, texted me yesterday after this interview was published and said, on a scale of one to 10, how crazy is Josh Fabia. And I responded, on a scale of 1 to 10, he's a 2 to a 20. Okay? Some of the stuff was way out there. Some of the stuff is a man who was talking with some sense of authority that really felt misplaced. Other aspects of his conversation were actually pretty fucking cogent. <laughs> if I, I mean, if it was straight up, they, they like made sense. So it's really difficult 
sometimes to parse through all this. In the interview I had, there was a lot of words, and he said a lot of things. And in between those things, maybe once in a while, it came out looking like, wow, he's, he's kind of nuts. But at the same time, there's pieces in there that weren't so crazy. And so that's the, that's the sort of the conflict and the confusion around a guy like Josh Fabia. And I think time will tell. Only time will tell. Um, I know he seemed very uh, aggressive in his responses to critics, going so far as to say that he was going to sue all the media who put his name out there, and he's very slanderous, and you know, just a lot of bullshit that made me feel like, okay, this is someone who is just covering their ass and and really doesn't it it, it doesn't add up. He, he gave off a lot, he gave off a lot, and I and I, I think we have to do see in the end what happens with Diego. Diego's in his corner. He's in Diego's corner. And there's never a dull moment <laughs> in mixed martial arts. Um, if you uh, read that interview, thank you for reading that. And uh, for a lot of you who have said, hey, I can't believe you wrote that out and transcribed it, uh, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate the respect on that one. Um, let's talk about fights, right? Let's talk about some fights because this is actually a major uh, weekend in combat sports, not not just the mixed martial arts world, but combat sports. There is so much, so much happening, and uh, I think it's important that we shine light on uh, all of that. Um, Bellator has two cards this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Friday they are in Thackerville, and then they're in Dublin, Ireland on Saturday. Uh, the UFC is in New Zealand, a great headliner, a, a legit great headliner. Uh, in a lightweight division. Uh, I think a lot of us want to see what Paul Felder and Dan Hooker looks like. And then uh, there's a Ryzen card in Japan. Um, and there's a hell of a boxing bout. I know we don't really talk boxing on the show very much. Once in a while we do. But this Wilder Fury 2 fight in Las Vegas does feel like a major heavyweight championship fight. And those things are so fun. And they're so great. And um, I, know, I, that, I know on Saturday night that that's, where I, that's what I will be watching. I will be watching Wilder Fury. I don't know where. I don't know with who. Um, but there, there are a few things like a major heavyweight championship fight in boxing. And that rings true, even for MMA. And believe me, MMA is my combat sport of choice. Okay? I love MMA. Uh, I think it answers all the questions I care about. It's dynamic. It's, it's exciting. The competitors are compelling. Everything about it, to me, that's it. But I grew up watching boxing. I love boxing still. It's in my heart and soul. And as just a sporting event, as a grand sporting event, a real deal heavyweight championship fight, those are things Those are things to cherish. And I've learned now, I'm 44, I've learned that those things come few and far between. This is not a common fight. So watch the fight. Get together with your friends. Enjoy it. Because they don't happen that often. And I will say this finally about this fight. This fight would not exist were it not for promoters and networks who are competitors choosing to come together for a moment. Would not exist if Bob Arum and Al Heyman couldn't do business together. Would not exist if Fox and ESPN couldn't do business together. Okay? And for all of us in the MMA space who like sit here and talk about this is the world we have and it's just the UFC and there's nothing else and nothing else matters. Why? Why? There are great fights to be had all over this sport. 
And it's not beyond the realm of possibility that you have competitors working together. It's happened in MMA. The UFC did it. The UFC did it with pride. Ended up one of the greatest tournaments in the history of this sport in 2003. So just, just recognize that these things that are considered impossibilities or never will happen or, oh, my God, the UFC would never do that. Never say never. Not in combat sports. Not when money's on the line. Not when you have huge stakes. Just never say never. And um, I think just in terms of the general health of what's going on in mixed martial arts, um, nights like we're going to see Saturday in boxing, I mean, maybe we'd be better off if we had a few of those nights for ourselves. Uh, I believe that. I've always believed that. All right. Um, one final note for me on this show. I don't know if you saw uh, that uh, one of the Athletics MMA podcasts uh, was being sunsetted. That's with Fernanda Pretch and, um, you know, her show I thought was fantastic and it was sad to see it go. This show, too, will be sunsetted. Gross Point Blank is going to go away at the end of the month. And, yeah, I'm, like, bummed. Um, I enjoy talking with you. I enjoy sharing this space with you. I like the format. Um, but MMA will be represented by one podcast now, The Man and the Myth. So I'm asking you, please support Sean Alshadi and Chuck Mindenhall. Please uh, subscribe to their show, listen to their show, and uh, you know, give them the time of day. Um, I will be doing one more of these next week. It'll be the last one for The Athletic. And then hopefully maybe some, some fingers crossed there's some podcast projects we can come together on. But as far as this format goes, for the time being, uh, no more at the end of the month. And I just want to thank you all for anyone who has listened, subscribed, supported me uh, since I've come to The Athletic or in previous versions of the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sincerely, thank you very much. Uh, it, it, it means quite a lot. And um, I, wish, uh, I wish we could be doing more shows moving forward. But hey. I am happy to be working with The Athletic, and I am grateful for the chance to cover mixed martial arts for them. And uh, we will continue to do that moving forward, no question about it. Um, Okay, we will catch you next week. I am Josh Gross. You've been listening to Gross Point Blank on The Athletic.